What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey folks, lots to talk about today with Buzz Burbank, but first, I have to tell you about our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. It's absolutely the best way to support this fully independent podcast. If you want to support this show... This is the way to do it. You can sign up for as little as $1 a month or as much as $15 a month. In fact, if you sign up at the $15 a month level, you'll get our Tuesday and Thursday shows presented without commercials. Plus, you'll also get two post-mortem mini shows recorded after the credits on our Tuesday and Thursday podcast. And you'll also get the subscription-only after-party podcast on Fridays with its revealing discussions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. You're an employee of the Jinko Olive Oil Company? That's right. But in actuality, you remember the Corleone crime organization. Uh, no, we call it the Corleone family, Senator. We call it the family. What was your position? At first, like everybody else, I, I was a soldier. What is that? A button, you know, Senator. Come on. No, I don't know. Tell me. Well, when the boss says push a button on a guy, I push a button. See, Senator? Mr. Quester. You mean you kill people? I what? You kill people at the, uh, at the behest of your superiors. Yeah, that's right, Counselor. And the, uh, the head of your family is, uh, Michael Corleone. Yeah, Counselor, Michael Corleone, right. Did you ever get such an order directly from Michael Corleone? No, uh, I never talked to him. All right, Mr. Chi-Chi, could you amplify your answer a bit, please? Do what? Could you expand on your answer? I'm particularly interested in knowing, uh, uh, was there always a buffer involved? Is someone in between you and your possible superiors who gave the actual order? Right, yeah, a buffer. The family had a lot of buffers. <laughs> Bob Seska! Bob Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show! From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, August 18, 2020, and this is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hi, my name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 1,307 of the Trump crisis, uh, 77 days until the 2020 presidential election, 
And oh, sitting right over there is my good friend Buzz Burbank. Hi, Buzz. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello, my friend. Hi, everybody. Uh, he's Bob, as you know, and I'm Buzz. <laughs> yeah. And we're voting this year by Carrier Pigeon. <laughs> Did you did you have a good weekend? Did you have a nice weekend, Bob? I did. It was busy, but it was good, productive, yeah, productive. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. I have weekends like that. I, I got more rest this weekend. I had a, a fun and a socially distanced outing on Sunday. I'm oh, nice! Excited. Crazy thing happened though. I I wore my old uh, high school class ring to the beach and found a metal detector. <laughs> what are the odds that would happen? Uh, and I and I, w- I was able to do a little bit of shopping again, you mm-hmm. know, safe, socially distanced, mask, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did some shopping over the weekend, and I'm pretty excited. I I got a really good deal on a mail sorting machine. Ah! <laughs> Craigslist? Did you find it on Craigslist? <laughs> That's what I did. It, it, the guy told me it just fell off a truck. <laughs> Uh, Trump is now warning that uh, Christmas will be rigged this year. Christmas mm. rigged this year. Okay. Uh, he says because of millions of fraudulent greeting cards. <laughs> hey, this is interesting. Uh, historians say Trump is the first candidate in history who's tried to unstuff the ballot boxes. See that coming. <laughs> Neither did the drummer. No, I don't think uh, so. Where's the drummer? Sleeping. <laughs> here's here's how bad things have gotten, really. Uh, those those big blue mailboxes mm-hmm. are, are now on the endangered species list. <laughs> but we'll, we'll end on a non-political note. Uh, okay. This year's, and it's kind of a sad thing, really, uh, this year's annual naked bike ride in Philadelphia has been canceled. Because of the coronavirus. Oh. They couldn't decide where to put the masks. <laughs> you can make nicknames and you can act like a fart. And you know this isn't the job for you. Tell me, how can you stand there with that thing on your head? Not afraid of looking a fool. So he says that showers are feeble, says Trump, says Trump. No pressure, he says that he feels. Things are gonna work out better after this ordeal. He likes his showers, we know. Showers are feeble, says Trump, says Trump. No pressure, no pressure, he says that he feels. What a jerk now. Showers are feeble, <laughs> says Trump, says Trump. In his rap, we sure got us a raw deal. Now, those showers. Showers are feeble, says Trump, says Trump. Oh, the great Rocky Mountain Mike. <laughs> that one makes me laugh, that one. Trump Holy wants better God. plumbing. Yeah, talk about but, something that's all about Trump's vanity. I mean, he's when, changing all the standards just so he can wash that nine-foot-long comb over hair, huh? When, when, when Mike started first singing about showers, I, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> well, that too, Mike. Yeah, there's a, the, the different kinds of showers. Yeah, it's speaking of that, we are going to talk about the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee's Russia report here in good, just, a, good. just a few minutes. Volume 5 is out. It's 1,000 pages. We're all pouring through it, all finding all these details and, and bits of information that we all knew to be true, but then was yeah. somehow magically not really uh, covered in parts of the Mueller report. So I'm glad well, that we have this. It's from the Senate Intelligence Committee that is 
controlled by the Republicans. Um, right. And and so I think that gives it a, a layer of validity that uh, absolutely at least when, when it comes to the other side, we all know this stuff to be true. But exactly, yeah. and and a number of people said, well, there's you know I'm not surprised. There's nothing in here we didn't already know yeah. or th- thought we knew. Uh, but what's news about this, I think, is that, it, first of all, it's a bipartisan report that comes from, as you said, a Republican-controlled committee mm-hmm. in a Republican-controlled Senate. Yep. And uh, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, now, uh, the Republicans and the Democrats get to give their separate opinions at the end of the report, but the report itself looks pretty solid. Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, the, you know, the interpretations at the end differ depending on political affiliation, but... Uh, you know, it, it goes farther than the Mueller report. And I think yeah. the reason it does is because, it, unlike the Mueller report, it wasn't limited to just criminality. It could look at uh, issues of national security, which, of course, is what the Intelligence Committee is all about. And it covers the counterintelligence vulnerabilities, which is the mm-hmm. thing that I've been asking about, that we've all been curious about right. since this started. What's the deal with the counterintelligence investigation? And this covers some of those things. This, is that, other, this yeah. is that other shoe. You know, the yeah. first shoe was criminality, and finally, after a very long wait and a loss of momentum, uh, the other shoe has dropped. Uh, thank God. Okay, well, we got to do this, too. Yes, because uh, day one of the Democratic virtual convention occurred last night. Oh, my. And I was, uh, I don't know about you, Buzz, but I was pleasantly surprised. So was I. I wasn't sure what to expect. I was expecting glitchy Zoom meetings and weirdness that uh, was constantly wrestling with the technology and kind of awkward and... But no, I mean, I, I was pleasantly surprised and kind of amazed at how well it was organized and how it flowed and how it mixed the live stuff with the pre-tape stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and mainly, um, I actually love this more than the usual convention. I yeah. didn't think I would. I, I thought I would miss the crowds and the responses to the speeches and the rousing well, uh, rhetoric and so on. But. I didn't. I didn't miss that. I think you know. Someday, I believe the crowds will be back, and the yeah. cheering, the cheering, and the crowds do add something to it. But, but I do think that the predictions prior to this start of this convention were correct. That because of the pandemic and the way we're doing conventions this year, conventions will never be the same. And I agree with you. I think it's for the better. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I didn't know what to expect either. And honestly. I generally hate these things. I generally hate. <laughs> I generally hate award shows. Yeah. Uh, but I thought this moved pretty well, considering what it was, and uh, you know there there were only the minorest of technical flaws. Nothing I haven't seen the pros do uh, yeah. on their nightly newscasts and that sort of thing. Uh, so uh, you know, I thought they did extremely well. It was very watchable in that respect, and and uh, entertaining and kind of interesting how it went from serious to lighter to serious to lighter to serious. To the lighter yeah. uh, th- throughout. And I thought it was the, the, the program carried very well in that way. I mm. frankly loved it. And I wish the networks, and I think I made this clear on social media this morning, I wish the networks hadn't cut off uh, Billy Porter and, and, uh, uh, and I, I keep wanting oh, to say yeah. young, uh, yeah. Stephen Stills. Stephen Stills. Billy Porter and Stephen Stills at the end of the show last night. Because I really would have liked to have seen that. <laughs> yeah, that, so. that was kind of weird because uh, as they started singing, suddenly I was hearing Brian Williams' voice in there. I was like, yes, did they yeah. take like a news clip of Brian Williams <laughs> and insert it in there just as a, right. as a sweetener or some way to make it timely? And no, that was just Brian Williams actually talking uh, over the song there at the end. But I guess one of our. To- 
I don't get the C-SPAN in my house uh, because I've cut the cable and and uh, YouTube TV, which is what I use, doesn't supply that. But yeah. duh, mm-hmm. they have YouTube and uh, I, I'd be able to watch it there this evening. No offense to Rachel Maddow or anyone else or Brian Williams. Uh, I, you know, this show carried itself well enough that I would be satisfied if the networks did a pre-show yeah. and a post-show and just shut up and let the whole thing play to the label in between. Yeah, that's right. I was kind of amazed that uh, MSNBC was going to do a full two hours at the end of it because it seemed like in the first right. five minutes, once 11, 11.05 rolled around, the first five minutes, they kind of covered everything that they needed to say. They talked about Michelle Obama and they talked about all right. the highlights. And then I'm thinking... Man, they got another hour and 50 minutes to fill. Yes. How are they going to do that? But uh, I didn't find out because we went and no, watched something no, else. No, no one did. Everyone no. went to bed. Everyone had seen everything there was to see. And this is the curse, of course, of 24-7 yeah. uh, cable news. As we used to say in radio, you got to keep the needle moving. <laughs> That's right. Did you see uh, whether the networks carried, the broadcast networks carried the whole thing or just the 10 to 11 hour? I'm, I'm not just, sure which one it just, was. Just 10 to 11. Only the cable networks are going wider than that. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, I, I watched through MSNBC thinking they would be most likely to play it to the label. And then they made me sad when they didn't. And yeah. so uh, tonight I'll be watching uh, YouTube and, and seeing it uh, uncut. Well, I noticed, too, that Fox News was only jumping in on certain points. I think they right. showed Michelle Obama. I think they showed Kasich. And they may have showed a couple of other the speakers, but they didn't uh-huh. carry the whole thing. And I assure you, next week, MSNBC is going to be carrying the whole goddamn shit show from wherever it's going to be held, the Trump shit show. And, yeah. and that's the difference, I think, between one of the many yeah. differences between the way Fox News handles shit like this and the way MSNBC handles shit like this. I mean, MSNBC is going to be on the level about it. They're going to carry probably all or most of it, unlike uh, Fox News. Um, what does this say? I'll, I'll be okay if they interrupt that convention. I'll, I'll watch <laughs> yeah. I'll watch MSNBC for the... Now, who am I kidding? I'm not watching the Republican convention. What am I talking about? Right. As you know, Buzz, sometimes what I like to do is instead of looking inward at our own political okay. demographic, I tend to look outward and say, well, what are the Republicans saying? What are the Trump uh-huh. people saying? And as uh-huh. I was watching the convention last night, I was thinking this. I bet the Republicans are freaking out partly because they didn't put as nearly as much planning into their right. event happening next that's week. A good, that's a good call. Yeah, I think it's one of those deals where they're seeing the other kids making their science fair projects and going, all I got is this goddamn volcano. Uh, how am I going to compete with those other kids? They're solving nuclear physics, and I've got a well, volcano. And they're not equipped to improve it between now and then. Yeah. Uh, do you remember that time that Fox News thought it would be cool to have an 11 p.m. comedy show <laughs> and and found out the hard way conservatives aren't funny? Do you remember <laughs> right. that? Yeah. Oh, that yeah. was yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're just not equipped for this. No. Just, this is not cut out for this. Well, if anything, next week is going to be an in. It's almost going to be like uh, like that Team America, America Fuck Yeah song. It's going to be nothing but, uh, like, they're, they're going to have fireworks <laughs> yeah. and everything's going to be rah, rah, look how great everything is. But it's going to be kind of disorganized. They didn't even have together where they were going to hold the convention in the first place, much right. less when. I mean, it jumped all over the place until just, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago. They finally landed on where everything was going to take place. I mean, we didn't know. It was Charlotte or Jacksonville. It was back and forth. So do they really have the content together? I mean, were they aware, as they were planning the Republican convention for next week, were they aware of how well 
the Democrats were going to look out of all of this. Because I think, I don't, and of course this remains to be seen over four nights, but I think so far it looks like a slick, professional, we know what the hell we're doing kind of operation. And that's the perfect kind of presentation that you need to illustrate yourself as being the adults in the room. Not only do we have the right ideas moving forward with America in the midst of this goddamn disaster, but at the same time, we know how to present it in a way that is compelling and interesting, which is exactly well, what they did. And and Ava Longoria Baston, I believe I'm pronouncing her name correctly, uh, yeah. uh, she did an incredible professional job of, mm. of anchoring that thing. You know, you don't, and I know she's been very articulate in politics and very involved in politics, but we're not used to, I, I've really been taken recently by how impressive certain actors and performers are. Yeah. Kristen Johnson's certainly one who oh, comes yeah. to mind, but... Uh, there are a number of band, you know, and, and uh, Meathead, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Rob Reiner, uh, I, you know, yeah. I, I, I love his stuff, mm. uh, uh, you know, and, and there's, there's, so, they're smarter than I think we would have given them credit for. Yeah. And, uh, but, but uh, her ability as an anchor, which is a, a whole separate skill entirely was also very impressive. I, I read, if I may, I read something interesting today that, that, that some to me it was the New York Times. It said it was interesting that uh, this was uh, this first night of the Democratic Convention. We heard from uh, socialists. Mm -hmm. We heard from moderates. Yeah. And we heard from Republicans. Yep. And and this, they said, was illustrative of, of Biden's, uh, specifically his intention to uh, reach out to everybody yeah, yeah. Uh, and not just play to the base. And one, one of the things I enjoyed about the show last night is it didn't seem to me that it just played to the base. Mm -mm. It was really very little of that in there. It was no. really seemed to address the Americans. And I also, I'll take a breath here, but I also want to talk about John Kasich and what you thought of that because I've seen a lot of opinions both ways on that. Oh, yeah. I thought John Kasich's piece was uh, was good. And I, <laughs> the thing that I kept thinking about in my head as it was going on, and certainly right after it ended, was... Now, was that so hard? Really, <laughs> was that so tough to deal with? I well, mean, here's the thing that we're looking at right now. We're looking at a major party realignment. It kind of started a little bit in 2016, but it's really hit the ground running this year. We're looking at a major shift in how people identify in one of the two major parties. And what we're seeing now specifically is this big Republican exodus over to the Democratic side, making the Democratic Party a much larger tent. And what we have to figure out how to do moving forward is not necessarily constantly acquiesce to one wing or the other, but to accept the reality that while there are core values of the Democratic Party, the people who occupy our party run a wide range of ideas and ideologies. So we now have everyone from the far, far left down to people like John Kasich or Tom Nichols or Rick well, Wilson. I mean, it's yeah. a huge coalition. And what the positive thing could be to come out of all of this, to come out of this realignment, is if that more conservative wing of the Democratic Party split off and became the new Republican Party. That would, in effect, move the entire Overton window back to the left so that, back, yeah. Back to where, yeah, yeah, they would balance again. The yeah. world would be back on its axis. Exactly. Uh, that, that's you know, all I, a positive I, thing that you want to encourage. I, I, I've been saying for years that I'm I'm called liberal because the rest of the country has moved to the right, making it seem <laughs> yeah. as though I'm farther to the left. Uh, a couple of things about this. First, let's acknowledge the naysayers in the audience who have a point. Mm -hmm. John Kasich uh, has, from everything I've read, 
a monstrous ego, nearly the size of Trump's. Wow. And his intention is to run for president in 2024. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, you know, there's a... He's a bit of a Trojan horse, and I hate that expression because of the way it's been used recently. But he's 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 sort of infiltrated our party for now. And as I've said before, that's okay because right now we're using he's using us for his future, but we are benefiting from him. It's a fair deal, yeah, really. Yeah. And and whether it's Steve Schmidt or John Kasich. We may strongly disagree with these fellows down the line. We already strongly disagree with Kasich on many, many things. Yeah. And as I've said before, somebody like Rick Wilson uh, may turn on us at some point, but right now is a valued ally. So right now, we'll embrace him. We'll use him as he may be using us, and we'll sort it out later. Uh, and also, I don't think you should discount uh, the number of independent voters in this country, the number yeah. of people who are now registered independent. And uh, that's the brilliance of Biden's appeal here, I think, uh, the, the focus on, on having Republicans and moderates and socialists all on the sort of the same video stage together yeah. uh, is to is to get those independents, which uh, many of those have uh, leaned Democratic during the Trump administration. Now that they've seen what they've done, someday they may lean back the other way. But uh, this both Kasich and the Democrats, both Kasich and Biden were in effect last night appealing to those independent voters and to the extent possible all Americans. And don't forget, too, that the dividing line in this election is not Democrat versus Republican. That is right. not the deal right now. It is if only it, it were that easy. Yeah, it's reality versus fiction. It is patriotism and liberty and the Constitution versus oh, yeah. fascism and dictatorship. Those are the dividing lines here. So you see a lot of people from the Republican side flooding over to the Democratic side because... And based mm -hmm. upon these terms, not necessarily because, well, we're particularly embracing the democratic ideology or the democratic platform. We're embracing right. the concept of patriotism. We're embracing right. the idea that we face an we're, existential threat in this country. We're, we're yeah. running away from the fire. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. It's like the, the rats all running away from a certain thing. The thing yeah. is that the terms of this election are so dire. And so important, it goes beyond, you know, party affiliation. And it just so happens that at the same time, you have to kind of line up with the Democratic Party in order to create sure. that victory over the fascist dictatorship. I mean, that's how it's all playing out. So, uh, look, I mean, ultimately, a little bit of time, and they sandwiched them all into the same segment. There was Meg mm -hmm. Whitman, and there was John Kasich, and there was Christine Todd Whitman, and they were right, all right. in there together and doing an important job not only in trolling the Trump Republicans, but also <laughs> reaching out to maybe former Trump voters, people who yes. are leaning away from voting for Trump. This gives them an excuse as to how they can do it. This gives them a way to save face, to say, okay, well, Kasich and all these other Republicans are lining up against Trump. I guess it's okay for me to do it too. And we I, can't turn away those voters. I, by the way, just as I thought, I had a smile last night as I was watching all of this, maybe around the Bernie Sanders segment. Yeah. And I thought, 
Guys, remember all the division that was supposed to happen in the Democratic Party? Remember how <laughs> yeah. how we were going to splinter and these terrible things were going to have? This was going to have the vote was going to be divided. And then yeah. you had Sanders and Ed Kanye and oh my God, you know, and they had progressives versus uh, moderates. Uh, uh, look where we are. Yep. Uh, none of those dire, dark predictions came true. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's absolutely the way it is. And, and in fact, uh, you know, there's a script that gets rolled out every four years. Oh, is there going to be a brokered convention? Hmm, let's see. Let's wait and see. You never know what's going to happen next. And that's uh, that's not going, that's not happening at all. I mean, I saw just recently there were still calls. I mean, a bunch of Bernie delegates are going to defect away from Joe Biden. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. But you know, the, the to me the biggest highlights of the evening buzz were yes. uh, these three things: Michelle okay. Obama, Bruce Springsteen, okay. and Biden's love of the train. That, yes, that yes. segment about Biden riding the train was so well done. I mean, talk about emphasizing the man of the people kind of deal. You know? I was too shy. I was too shy to go up to the car that he was in. But uh, and more than once, I rode that train, yeah. uh, that same train as Joe Biden at the same time, just in a different car. And I was, like I said, too too bashful to, to go yeah. visit him. But uh, yeah, and uh, so he was he was talked about you know mm-hmm. on those trips and. Uh, it was very, much, but that was a great segment. I enjoyed that very much. Michelle uh, knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I, I, I've heard it said if if for somebody who doesn't like politics, she does it pretty well. <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, that that is true. I mean, yep. she and and uh, I think uh, Washington Post columnist uh, uh, has said that he believes that Michelle drew blood from uh, Donald last night. Based on <laughs> yeah, you think. His, Based on his rage tweets that that have since followed. Yeah, I've got those here, too. But just in terms of her actual remarks, the great thing about Michelle Obama is she is reluctant when it comes to politics. But at the same time, damn, would she make a great president? Oh, yeah. Everybody agrees. People were tweeting about that last night. Michelle Obama should be president. And I, I kept saying... Only if, only if we're lucky. I mean, if, we're yeah. really, if we get really goddamn lucky and we get out of this crisis and we move forward and all the stars align, we'll be lucky enough to have someone of the caliber of Michelle Obama in the White that's, House again. That's that's the rub. Yeah. Because she has the good sense not to do it makes her eminently qualified. Oh, yeah, yeah. She said here, <laughs> if you think, and just on the darker side of her remarks, if you think yes. things cannot possibly get worse, trust me, they can and they will if we don't make a change in this election. And that kind of summarizes everything that I think we've been saying here on this show right. since 2017. I mean, that is what we're facing. We're facing the end of the representative representative democracy that we cherish here in this country if Donald Trump wins again. I mean, the madness that he will be able to inflict upon this country in a second four years is beyond comprehension, is beyond our ability to even see that kind of madness. I don't even want to think about it or talk about it because we all know how how as far as i'm concerned if that happens that's it yeah we're we're toast we're we're done i mean the thing Uh, i kept thinking about was refugee crisis and that is refugees from the united states flooding over the the northern border into canada if this happens yeah yeah Uh, well uh yeah you know i i certainly (laughs) i I don't think that'll happen and and uh you know like i said i i don't like to think about that possibility yeah i i I was uh just musing last night sort of uh 
you know, uh, looking back on all this and, and remembering what you were talking about a moment ago. At the very beginning of this, I said uh, one of my newscasts, maybe more than one, uh, early on in the Trump administration, this isn't about politics. This yeah. isn't politics. This is about democracy and how things are supposed to work. And here we are nearly four years later, and uh, things got worse. Mm-hmm. You know, things things got much, much worse, uh, as dark or darker than many expected them to get. Yeah. And uh, as Michelle said in that horrifying quote, uh, time hasn't run out on that yet. That it, yeah. The worst could still happen. And, you know, we're all on sort of pins and needles about that between now and uh, you said 77 days till the election. That's 11 yeah. scare. It's 11 scaramoochies. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah. no, that, yeah, seven. No, that's seven scaramoochies. Yeah. That's right. I reversed my math there. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, it, it's it's not. But then we have, of course, the terrifying period between the election and inauguration mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to be OK. I just have this feeling that everything's going to be okay by the evening of January 20th, 2021. I I hope I'm right. I know all of the places where that could go wrong, I think. Uh, But, uh, or you think you do, right? Yeah. Uh, But, uh, so I'm not unaware of the horrible possibilities, but uh, I I just have to believe, I have to believe that this is going to turn out okay, that Trump will be gone uh, by midday on January 20th. Well, it was interesting to listen to some of the details in Michelle Obama's remarks. And so far as um, I remember, I'm old enough to remember, as the saying goes, that the Republican Party always positioned itself as the party of family values, of morality, Mm -hmm. of character. Mm -hmm. Last night in Michelle Obama's remarks, not only did she uh, take aim at Donald Trump in a way that I wasn't expecting and didn't think she had the capacity to do, but she also invoked morals, values, and character, those three words uh, were in her remarks all in in one section in one chunk and they were there for a very specific reason to obviously lay at Donald Trump's feet his immorality his lack of value his complete lack of values he has no core values and his utter lack of character and how that doesn't reflect what the United States is all about I think the significance of her remarks were that she called him out by name for the first time and yeah, yeah. Uh, that she, uh, you know, countered uh, some of the things that he said, that she uh, she really, you know, uh, this was more of a direct attack on, on Trump than she'd ever delivered before. Yeah. Said he's clearly in over his head and right. then uh, went on to invoke what he said about the coronavirus deaths. Yes. It is what it is. Uh-huh. Uh, she quoted that and fired that back at him. And, of course, Trump was, as you were saying, Trump is pissed. I mean, she's now living rent-free in Donald Trump's worm-infested <laughs> brain right now. He said here uh, in two different uh, tweet, like, rage-gasms, uh, yes. people forget how divided our country was under Obama-Biden. The anger and hatred were unbelievable. They shouldn't be lecturing to us. I'm here as your president because of them. He also said, somebody please explain to Michelle Obama that Donald J. Trump, he's referring to himself in the third person, uh-huh. With would, initials. would not be here in the beautiful White House if it weren't for the job done by your husband, Barack Obama. Biden was merely an afterthought. A good reason for that very late and un- unenthusiastic endorsement. 
I don't know what that even means. My administration and I built the greatest economy in history. No, they didn't. Of any country, turned it off, saved millions of lives, and now I'm building an even greater economy than it was before. Jobs are flowing, NASDAQ, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, God, so much delusion and so many lies, so much disinformation there. Saved millions of lives. This is the nonsense that he believes, or he likes his red hats to believe. That it doesn't matter, the 200,000, anywhere from 170 to 200,000 dead Americans on Donald Trump's watch since March, by the way. Ignore all that. Just pay attention to the fact that it could have been 2 million. I mean, it's a shame George W. Bush didn't come up with that after 9-11. Hey, you know, yeah. they were going to attack a bunch of other places, too. And we right. saved a bunch of lives by dropping my pet goat and swinging into action. They didn't do that. But I love this idea that look at our track record, you know, except for that one major disaster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that right. was something right. Bush did. That's something Trump did. That's a Republican thing. You know, we kept you people safe, you know, except right. for that one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one terrible, terrible day. Uh, Trump's doing the same kind of gambit now. Um, but God. I, all I would say to people who maybe don't feel inclined to tune into the convention, uh, turn it on anyway, even if you're not yeah. watching. Turn the volume down if you want to. I mean, I think you'd be better off if you didn't. But uh, my thing is, let's prove the pollsters wrong and uh, let's give the show good ratings. Yeah. Turn it on. You don't have to be watching it. Let it let it play and uh, let them get the credit for it. I And what does it mean? Why is it important? I, I think it makes a statement of strength. Yeah, I, I think it I think it's another it's another poll. Uh, it's another way of mm. knowing how pissed off the American people are at Donald Trump. So the Red Hats were crapping their cages all night, tweeting things like, oh, this is terrible, so boring. I know Eric Trump was whining about it. Um, That's all they have. Yeah, well, obviously they think it's terrible to listen to real Americans talking about real problems. That woman whose father died of COVID-19 and hearing her story. I mean, these are real stories of real people suffering in this horrendous crisis that we call the Trump crisis. And it's been going on since 2017 and has reached fever pitch uh, awfulness here in the past uh, uh, three or four months. I mean, it's an amazing thing to behold. And they're like, ah, we don't want to hear from those people. I mean, we'd rather hear from Ted Nugent and Scott Baio. I mean, that's yeah, they have they they have the smallest of complaints. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and back by the way, the the media, the print media, anyway, today has struggled to find flaws in last night's convention, and they've mm-hmm. they've they were able to find a couple of picayune things, mm-hmm. but but really, uh, the the show got as Donald Trump would say, tremendous reviews. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it really did. And uh, I was I was kind of surprised to see that, that there wasn't much to pick at. And, and as with the uh, Trumpublicans, they, they have little to pick out as, no. at as well, except the usual empty jabs. Yeah, right. And tonight we've got, uh, let's see, the headliners are Dr. Jill Biden, uh, Bill Clinton, and AOC. I'm not yeah. I'm not entirely certain about the wisdom of including Bill Clinton, but he is a former president. He's a living former Democratic president and he did a nice job as president. So I guess that's why he's in I the have, mix there. I don't know. I have I have mixed feelings about that as well, but yeah. uh, a- Amy Schumer's uncle Chuck will be there. 
Oh, nice. And and, and uh, Sally Sally Yates is speaking. I'll I'll watch Sally Yates oh, anywhere. Yeah. I, yeah. I first of all, I love her gentle accent. Yes. You know? <laughs> uh, so I'll listen. And yeah, Jill Biden tonight as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the keynote address. Uh, so uh, yeah, a lot going on tonight. Well, you know, Buzz, I've been watching the convention, and I wonder how many participants are using our favorite. Plexiderm, right? Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates your wrinkles, crow's feet, and under-eye bags, all in the comfort of your own home and just a matter of minutes. It is Photoshop in a can. Don't forget that. Plexiderm goes on clear and lasts for so many hours, so nobody is going to know your secret. Go to TryPlexiderm.com. Use my code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus an additional $10 off, or try a $14.95 trial pack today by calling 1-800-685-1292 and mentioning the code Voices. Again, visit triplexiderm.com. Use the code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle plus an additional $10 off. Or try a $14.95 trial pack when you use the code VOICES at triplexiderm.com. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. It's a project called uh, Black Sugar Transmission. Wow. Song called The Resistance. It's the very last track on the album called The Flowering. Links in the description. Really interesting and inventive work here on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Surprising. Yeah. It's surprising music. It surprised me. And it started out, I thought, a little Kurt Cobain. Yeah. And then and then it explodes into this very full sound. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really great stuff. BobSeska.com slash music. If you want to submit your songs to the show, we'll play them here. We'll also play them on the Indie Music Countdown at the end of each and every month. Thank you for doing that. And uh, make sure to support all our indie bands here in the show. Okay. So, lots of stuff to uh, continue to discuss here, uh, including this massive thousand-page Senate Intelligence Committee report on the Russian attack from 2016. It's volume five. This time covering, uh, yeah, counterintelligence threats and vulnerabilities. It's the stuff, as you are saying before, this is the stuff that I've been waiting for. Like, finding out where the collusion was. Finding out this, what the connections were between the Trump campaign and the the players in uh, Ukraine and in Russia. This answers some of the unanswered questions from the yeah. Mueller probe. Uh, questions he was frankly not allowed to ask right. uh, with the constraints of that particular investigation and uh it's it's big news uh, what will come of it uh, a question on a lot of people's lips uh we don't know but we know there's an election coming up uh, we know that there could be criminal prosecutions uh, once this president leaves office mm-hmm. and we know that uh, being 2020 anything could happen so there yeah. may be things we don't know right uh, that that could come out of this but it, it does fill in a lot of the gaps and it's very damning i don't know if there's when there's this much time between the dropping of the first shoe and the dropping of the second shoe, does the second shoe make a sound? 
<laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope it makes a huge booming noise, like a loud booming noise, and it's coming from Trump Tower. That's mm-hmm. the uh, that's the dream. Uh, the the committee, too. yeah, the committee endorsed the view of Special Counsel Mueller and the Roger Stone prosecution team that the Trump campaign eagerly embraced Russian help in 2016 mm-hmm. and considered the hacked emails its October surprise. So this was a coordinated effort between Russian operatives, WikiLeaks, and the Donald Trump campaign, including Roger Stone. So we got a bunch of different highlights that we want to talk about here. We got this thousand-page report about 30 minutes before showtime, and of course, Bob and I have read the whole thing. (laughs) That's right. I've been through every every word of the thousand pages. I I only wish I could read that quickly. (laughs) Putin ordered the 2016 hacking of Democratic Party accounts and the release of emails intended to harm Hillary Clinton's campaign reported in this. So it goes all the way up to uh, Vladimir Putin himself. This is something we knew. But of course, again, it's always good to have it in official documented form coming out of an official Capitol Hill investigation. This is more than just seeing it in print in the Washington Post or the New York Times. This is actual verification with evidence to prove it. Trump told Mueller in written answers that he recalled no conversations with Stone, with Roger Stone about WikiLeaks. This is the, I, I don't know. This is the, I don't know defense. The committee assesses that Trump did, in fact, speak with Roger Stone about WikiLeaks and with members of his campaign about Stone's access to WikiLeaks on multiple occasions. So, Mueller himself yeah. thought that uh, believed that Trump was had lied to him on some of those written answers, right? Uh, and uh, this confirms Mueller's suspicions. Mm-hmm. So this is a matter of of not only having uh, Donald Trump on record lying, saying he doesn't remote doesn't recall, doesn't re- of course he recalls he was lying when he was asked he was. about those questions and, and we all knew that but yeah. but for this to come to a, from a republican committee and by the way i think some parts of this report are true and i think some parts of this report are questionable yeah but as you said there is evidence to back up these blockbuster claims yeah there's one part in particular that's kind of questionable i'm gonna see if i can find it here the fbi well, it has to do the with steel the dossier. Yeah, the uh, uh, compromat section here. The, the committee okay. says it quote did not establish that the Russian government collected compromat on Trump. It doesn't say that there isn't compromat. It says that they were unable to establish that there was compromat right. on Trump. Right. Yeah. We, it's this game again that we played yeah. with Mueller. Uh, they, there's also stuff in there. And again, remember this report was assembled by Republicans and Democrats, and the body of the report is what they all ended up. Uh, sort of compromising on as yeah. uh, the result of the investigation. Yeah. Uh, they each write uh, addendum sorts of comments at, at the end. Uh, Democrats and Republicans both comment on additional findings they believe uh, came out of this report that right. may not be you know in the report itself. Uh, but, but the, for example, it said that the FBI, it believes, the Senate Intelligence Committee believes the FBI was misled by the uh, Steele dossier uh, uh, that there was uh, Russian disinformation in that dossier and that uh, the FBI took it to be credible uh, and and uh, relied too much on it. It's a Republican charge we've heard before. There may be some truth in, in it. I don't know, but it doesn't make any less true uh, 
the massive connections uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee found between members of the Trump 2016 campaign and Russian intelligence. Yeah, the Steele dossier was smoke from a fire, and I don't blame the FBI for looking into some of that stuff, given the context right, that it appeared. Right, right. Be- noticing all the other things that were happening, that right. kind of lended, at least at the time, some credence to some of the findings in the Steele dossier. So I don't have any issue with the FBI's usage of the Steele dossier. I think it was Nor do I, necessary. But- you know, I think it was important to the Republicans to yeah, get that yeah, in there, you yeah. know, to say that the FBI investigation was at, at the very least flawed. So there's a part two here to this compromat thing. They said, well, we didn't okay. establish that the Russian government collected compromat on Trump. Right. But separately, the committee also said, quote, during the 2016 U.S. presidential election cycle, Donald Trump and the Trump organization pursued a business deal in Russia. And that in and of itself, to me, compromises. Compromat. Compromat. Yeah, yeah that's it. And and we know that uh, former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn uh, was in contact with uh, Russian officials, and mm-hmm. uh, you know he's uh, he also we found out through Sally Yates uh, had been compromised and and was certainly uh, subject to compromise by the Russians. The report also said there was a quote direct tie between senior Trump campaign officials and the Russian intelligence services via Paul Manafort. And remember, Manafort publicly denied Russia was interfering in the election. And uh, Paul Manafort was the centerpiece of all of this. He was the connection between uh, people like Deripaska and Kalimnik and the Trump campaign. So to say that there was no collusion is absolutely 100% unequivocally a lie. There is is collusion, and it's through Paul Manafort and Roger Stone. Oh, sure. And it's always been there. I mean, gosh, Bob, I remember writing about this, what, 12, 18 months ago, whatever it was. Uh, I could go back through my scripts and, and, and find... Uh, all the detailed uh, mm. ex- descriptions of meetings between Manafort and Constant and Kalimnik. Uh, and must, uh, Kalimnik must be in my copy a thousand times <laughs> yeah. already. Yeah, I always remember Constantine uh, Kalimnik is Manafort's man in Kiev. That's the uh, that right. was the headline. Remember, because he was the fixer. He was the guy. He was the go-between. He was the guy who connected uh, the Trump campaign with people like Oleg Deripaska and the GRU and Vladimir Putin. That was the link. He was the linchpin in all of this. Meanwhile, Roger Stone was drafting pro-Russia tweets for Trump in July of 2016. This is from the report, and he was teasing more WikiLeaks dumps. Quote, mm-hmm. many of the draft tweets mentioned a new peace deal with Putin, such as I want a new detente with Russia under Putin. Mm-hmm. So Roger Stone is crafting Donald Trump's tweets Right. to reflect an appeasement of Russia. So this was this is being dictated to Roger Stone from Russia and then put into tweet form for uh, uh, Donald Trump's Twitter account. And we played the thing from Godfather 2 at the top where there's lot, <laughs> lots of different buffers. A lot there, of buffers. Yeah, not a lot of buffers here. There were a couple of buffers, but not yeah. a lot of buffers. I mean, you can pretty much draw the line from person to person to person to Trump. They could have learned so much from the Corleones. Yeah, right, right. The report included a summary of a document that Mike Flynn sent to KT McFarland in July 2017 that, quote, originated with a close associate of a Kremlin insider, per the committee, and that the White House Counsel's Office wanted to withhold, citing executive privilege. 
Jesus. Oh, sure. Uh, they also detailed what happened in and around the Access Hollywood tape and the dumping of the Podesta emails. Uh-huh. It says here uh, some details about the day of the Access Hollywood tape and Podesta emails released here. Uh, Trump campaign team heard about the tape an hour before its release. Right. Roger Stone told Jerome Corsi to get Assange from WikiLeaks to, quote, right. drop the Podesta emails immediately. Mm-hmm. So this is direct coordination between the Trump campaign. I mean, direct between the Trump yeah. campaign and WikiLeaks, which is a front group for Russia. Directly certainly, connecting them. That certainly smells like collusion to me. Yeah, 100%, without a doubt. I mean, obviously, Donald Trump has been repeating no collusion since so, 2016. I, so, I, yeah. Let me ask you what people have been asking me. What will come of this? Well, I think uh, further evidence for a proper investigation after all of this is over, after Trump is out. I think this goes into the uh, maybe the context of the Trump Crimes Commission or maybe its own individual uh, investigations relaunched, okay. revived at the Department of Justice once Bill Barr is out of the way. I mean, that's what I'm okay. thinking. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the report connected Kalimnik. Uh, Manafort's man in Kiev, as we said, to the GRU, which right. is the Russian intelligence agency that hacked uh, the DNC, that hacked right. Podesta's emails. There's a direct connection between, now we got Manafort, it was to start with Trump, then to Manafort, then to Kalimnik, right. then to the goddamn GRU. Right, uh, pretty some, direct. Yeah. Not not many uh, degrees of separation there. Right. Some evidence suggests Kalimnik may be connected to the GRU hack and leak operation related to the 2016 U.S. election. This assessment is based on a body of fragmentary information. That's on page 85. Meanwhile, Russian lawyer Natalia Veselnitskaya, remember her? She was in the, uh, the Trump Tower I can barely meeting. pronounce it, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, uh, quote, has significant and concerning connections to Russian government and intel officials mm-hmm. and has not been forthcoming about those relationships, the report alleges. So that, that lends more intrigue to that uh, Trump Tower meeting with Don Jr. and Jared Kushner was in that all meeting with this basically an agent of uh, the Russian government and, and its intelligence apparatus. Uh, pardons were floated. Discussions about yes, pardons I were remember. yeah with between some of the suspects and Jay Sekulow, who was Trump's uh, lawyer. Uh, it says here, uh, Michael Cohen said that after he was indicted in the Southern District of New York, He discussed a potential pardon for himself with Jay Sekulow more than half a dozen times. Cohen further stated that he understood the pardon discussions had come from Trump through Sekulow. So this puts Trump in the loop as far as that goes. And that's illegal, isn't it? Isn't it illegal to float pardons? (laughs) Yeah, it it is, actually. I mean, as an inducement to talk or not to talk, absolutely it is. The committee said it did not establish that the Russian government collected compromise on Trump. We already talked about that. Um... Uh, more obstruction. You're like a kid on in Christmas for this, aren't you? I mean, you're just you're un, unwrapping presents willy nilly here. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I also figure too. Not a lot of us have time to pour through a thousand pages of That's this crapola. So, uh, more obstruction in this report, as this experience illustrated, White House intervention. That's a nice way to put it. Significantly hampered and prolonged the committee's investigative effort. The report sure. said. Most importantly, some witnesses were directed by the White House not to turn over potentially privileged information. Uh, Also, here and finally, uh, Russia and other countries took advantage of the transition teams, the Trump transition teams in experience, transparent opposition to Obama administration policies and Trump's desire to deepen ties with Russia to pursue unofficial channels through which Russia could conduct diplomacy. 
the report there are those, said. There are those back channels back, again. Back channels. That's kind of the extent of what we know now. Obviously, with a thousand pages in this report, there's a lot more to come. So stay tuned. As Rachel likes to say, watch this space. This is going to come up again once Trump's out of office, and we have to prosecute this crap. We can't allow yeah, ourselves to become complacent and go, well, the past is the past. We have to yeah. do the hard work of sealing up this mega disaster. For all those people who say ain't nothing going to happen, uh, I, I think it will. I think we have to wait for it. I think the first thing that will happen, unfortunately, uh, for better or for worse, we have to wait for it, the election. Yeah. That's the first thing that will happen. And, yeah. and I think there will be uh, prosecutions and investigations. I think uh, Biden has made it clear that he, he doesn't plan to go soft on him. You know, Nixon got pardoned uh, for the uh, on the premise of healing the country. And while that seemed a little lame at the time it, it it historically i think in retrospect makes some sense yeah that would not be the case this time it would not heal the country to pardon uh donald trump and so i don't see that happening no no uh, well who would do it <laughs> i seriously doubt joe biden's yeah. gonna pardon donald no. trump no there's no goddamn way i mean the only way it's gonna happen is if uh somehow mike pence is able to get his hands on the uh, presidency for a couple of minutes before trump leaves i mean that that's that's a possibility. I still think that's a distinct possibility, but we'll see how that all goes down. And we've got about Indeed. a thousand other uh, problems that are going to drop on our laps between now and that point in time. So I don't want to put the uh, cart before the horse. But, we, you know, speaking of uh, disasters landing on our lap, we got to talk about the uh, U.S. Postal Service sabotage we, continuing. We, we do. And before we go to break, if yeah. I may, we have breaking news that I just posted while we were talking. Oh, no. Post, oh, you're going to like this. You're going to like this. Okay. I'm Ladies ready. and gentlemen, pressure works. Rachel was talking about this week. It's absolutely true. Pressure works. Yes. Postmaster General Louis DeLay says he is suspending the policies blamed for the pre-election mail delays. Whoa! Pressure works. So, so is he going to reverse what he's already done, or is it just saying that there's going to be no more, no further removal of sorting machines, no further locks on mailboxes and so on? This is a at least temporary reversal of these new policies that have slowed the mail. Okay. These are, he's suspending the policies, which implies that he will bring them back uh, perhaps after the election. Wow. Uh, we, we'll see. Mm. Uh, but but right now, what this says, I mean, we saw, it was yesterday we learned that he had agreed to testify for the emergency hearing uh, the House Intelligence Committee on Monday. Yeah. Uh, not the Intelligence Committee, uh, the Oversight, oh, the oversight Committee, committee yeah, yeah. on Monday, um, emergency hearing. Uh, the, the lawmakers, the House is coming back on Saturday of this week. Uh, and, and then today we learned that he's also agreed to testify for a Senate committee. In both cases, he's facing some tough questions. In addition to all the softballs he'll get from Republicans, he's got to answer questions tomorrow, uh, excuse me, on Friday, from Senator Kamala Harris, Joe Biden's running mate. <laughs> And and then on Monday we'll we'll have to answer questions from the very fast, very smart terrier named uh, Katie Porter. Yes, uh, she's not going to let him catch his breath. Uh, he'll be he'll be rope doped by her on Monday. So he's <laughs> under tremendous pressure, not just from Democrats but from Republicans and from uh, people across the country who are pulling their hair out, saying, "Has it really come to this?" Uh, because of all this pressure. Uh, because of the protests outside his home. Amazing. Uh, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy is suspending the policies that have uh, slowed uh, the mail 
prior to this vote-by-mail election. Well, we're going to talk about some of the reasons why he may have made that decision Good. here in Good. just a second. But before we do that, we got to take a, a quick break to talk about thenewdealshop.com. Unfortunately, COVID-19 infection rates are exploding across the nation. We know it's common sense that everyone wear a face mask, and finally, most states have put mask mandates in place. Face masks are still our best way to protect ourselves, our family, and our community. Very important. But what happens when the mask you thought you were buying is fraudulent or worthless? The FDA has provided a list of authorized respirator mask manufacturers. Finding those masks has been a challenge so far and verifying their authenticity even harder. Right now, the New Deal shop has FDA authorized respirator masks with anti-fake authentication on every package to ensure you're getting exactly what you need, just so you know that it works. These masks are tested by the NPPTL in the United States and provide greater than 95% filtration. They've even been used in the medical community, too. Right now, these masks are in stock and ship for free for my listeners when you add the code SEXYLIBERAL, two words. Go to thenewdealshop.com and order your supplies today. That's thenewdealshop.com. Get them and keep yourself, your family, and your community safe. Thank you. Bob Seska. I told you to go back. Told you to stay with her. Cause I'm oceans away, not for a day for a while. But all the time And I can never give you mornings in the bed Make your coffee kiss your neck Whoa. And you don't want to lead the life I lead away Yeah, this is Alexia Chambi. Uh, it's a song called Into You from her Bolivia EP. Yeah, coming to us from uh, Norland. She's from Denmark. Yeah, I just, I, I love that we have international recording artists on this show. It just makes me smile. It's, it's that song makes me feel funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've got we got music coming to us from New Zealand and Ukraine so cool. and Denmark so cool. and oh my God, England and of course all across great? the United States. Isn't yeah. that, that's one of the great things about the internet too? Is yeah. the fact that you know we can be connected with Americans and other people who are all over the world and mm-hmm. and and in your case uh, to get all this great music I did yeah. like that very much. Well, before we dig into Louis DeJoy and what's happening at the <laughs> USPS, I have to give you just all the kudos in the world for this particular uh, tweet that you fired oh, off yesterday. It. And again, it's just one of those things. I every week I sit down and I write my thing for Salon <laughs> and it's thousands and thousands of words and I've covered the USPS debacle, the sabotage Yes. There, uh, yes. I think I'm now on my fourth article in as many weeks about this topic, mm-hmm. and I have not been able to summarize w- what the post office mandate is in a way that you have here in just a few words. In all those thousands of words, I couldn't get to this specific point that you tweeted out yesterday. You wrote here on Twitter, wow. uh, the Postal Service doesn't lose money, it uses money. The Postal Service is not a business. It's a government agency that provides a service to the American people. How much profit did the Pentagon earn last year? You are the ones manipulating the Postal Service for politics. And this was in response to Richard Grinnell, and I just thought that was just such an outstanding way to put it. 
he said, and the reason I ended with that, you're the ones, is because he, he said at the end of his, you're the ones who are, are thwarting the election. And, yeah. and I was making a case for, no, it's really you. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, no, thank you. That's very kind. And, and people seem to appreciate that. I, you know, I just, honestly, I just want to help. Yeah. I, to whatever <laughs> small degree I can. And yeah. if that helps. And they, but they do make that argument that it's a business. And Louis DeJoy, see, you have to call him by his correct name, Louis DeJoy, or you have to call him by his postal nickname, Louis DeLay. <laughs> you pick, pick one or the other. Those are your, those are your two yeah, choices. Yeah. But, I was just, you but, know what, actually, it was yeah. uh, Glenn Kirshner who said Louis DeJoy, so I thought that's what yeah. people called him. So that's I what I've been going I, with. Uh, maybe they do. I call him <laughs> Louis DeJoy or... Or sometimes Louis, Louis Delay. Delay. <laughs> that's what that, that's what postal workers have been calling him. That's lately. right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this he's under tremendous pressure. As I said before yeah. the break, I I failed to mention before the break that uh, attorneys general in now more than twenty states mm-hmm. have filed lawsuits against the changes that DeJoy's made in the postal service, which is another layer of pressure. Wow. The demonstrators, the lawsuits, uh, the Republican and Democratic opposition uh, being dragged before hearings uh as somebody just pointed out on twitter maybe he's nervous about criminal charges mm. uh you know I, I there's a tremendous pressure here for him to straighten up and fly right in time for the election yeah and he's right to be afraid of criminal charges <laughs> in all of this but yeah. I, I was amazed to hear what did you say 22 states are now preparing uh, to we we know of at least 20 states it may 20. be more but okay. we know of at least it was uh, last week when it started out it was like six yeah that's what uh, i have uh, here i have six states am i am i yeah. that far behind the news <laughs> no it, this just just that also just happened before we went okay. on the air. That, right. that was like the last uh, uh, update I posted before we started recording oh, today's show is wow. that uh, now it's at least 20 states uh, who filed lawsuits. Uh, it's just overwhelming pressure for this uh, joker. And uh, he's cornered and uh, he's basically surrendering and saying, OK, I'll pull all of this back until after I, he hasn't. I don't know that he said until after the election, but I presume that's where this is going. Well, the fight isn't over yet because he's still no, Donald no. Trump is still attacking the use of absentee ballots, and he's going yes. to spend millions more, spend $20 million plus so far legally attacking in the courts the use of absentee ballots, and he's going to spend millions, millions more before this is all over, certainly beginning on November 3rd and moving forward into that transition period. He is going to pull all the levers he can get his stubby little fingers on, and that's that's a certainty um this this is one piece of breaking news where i'm not gonna get happy i'm smiling Mm. i'm smiling because this is a very good but but uh, just because the man says he's gonna do something let's see what actually happened remember and i noticed this too uh when america freaked out about the removal of all those blue mailboxes around the country uh, they they came out and said uh, USPS said uh, okay we we stopped we're not going to take out yeah. any more blue mailboxes at which point they started putting big red locks on yeah. the remaining mailboxes so they true to their word they've stopped removing them <laughs> and started locking them Jesus Christ uh, and so that's so, how crooked so so uh, watch what he does not what he says but uh, this is very encouraging news I think so what are the odds that DeJoy is going to be asked to resign now by the White House uh, that's oh. still a possibility I mean Donald Trump has been firing people who are disloyal to him all over the place and despite but, the fact that Louis DeJoy has given Donald Trump 1.2 million dollars in donations so far it's not going to matter because Donald Trump wants him to interfere with the Postal Service because Donald Trump's desperate 
to get reelected. I, I, yeah. I, they're biting the hand that feeds him. Yeah. Uh, Louis, Louis DeJoy has done a lot for mm. Donald Trump, but yeah. uh, Trump expects loyalty. We know this. Trump yeah. expects loyalty from people, but doesn't return it. Yeah. Even people who've been loyal to him. Uh, Sheldon Adelson, the uh, Las Vegas gazillionaire who's donated so much to conservative causes, uh, called Donald Trump on the phone uh, this past week. Yeah. I, I don't even have this in my news. I don't know what happened to the story. I lost it somewhere, but I remember it. I remember Sheldon Adelson called Donald Trump and wanted to talk to him about uh, the economy and the best ways, to, in his opinion, to open things up again. Trump wasn't having it and tore into Adelson. Other people were standing there listening and were shocked because Adelson has given gazillions of dollars to Republicans and to conservative causes, and Trump tore into Adelson saying, why haven't you given more to my campaign? Oh, my God. Uh, and this he's so stupid yeah. as to <laughs> as to bite the hand that's feeding him. Yeah. Uh, the the seven-digit donations have dried up for the Trump campaign this year. There are no more. It ain't happening for him. Yes. And now he's pissed off Sheldon Adelson, too, uh, and, and Biden's out raising or matching uh, Trump's fundraising. Uh, th- th- this is this is now Trump has more in the bank, uh, much of which will have to be dispersed later after the criminal cases are settled. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, I think they're running scared at this point. They're really running scared. Yeah. Well, also get ready for this, because Donald Trump has decided instead of going after the ballots or just going after them, he's still going to go uh-huh. after the ballots. Right. B- beyond that, he's now uh-huh. going after the drop boxes, too. He yes. T- tweeted this yesterday. He said, some states use drop boxes for the collection of universal mail-in ballots. Absentee ballots. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So who is going to collect the ballots, he writes, and what might be done to them prior to tabulation? A rigged mm-hmm. election? So bad for our country. And then he says, and this is completely baffling, only absentee ballots acceptable. I don't, I have because no idea. Know. Because yeah. he's stupid. He just doesn't know. <laughs> because he's it's, stupid. Yeah. The explanation's very simple, Bob. It's because he's stupid. <laughs> That's right. God. Well, this is, yeah, this is beyond stupid. This is like some sort of weird uh, herky-jerky gaslighting going on. Only absentee ballots are acceptable, and that pe- the people who collect the ballots out of the drop boxes... Mu- what, people people work in these precincts to count ballots and to collect them and to work as polling workers and so on. That, this is what happens every year. Bob, but, they'll be robbed. They'll be robbed at gunpoint by Mexicans <laughs> who've crossed the border. <laughs> I'm waiting for that tweet. I'm waiting yeah. for that tweet to drop. I know. Any t- any yeah. time now. I also want to talk about how the uh, United States Postal Service bullshit spreads virally around, among the Red Hats. There was okay, a good. bullshit Breitbart story. We're going to talk about this on the postmortem show coming up. There was a highly misleading, uh, disinformative uh, Breitbart article that Donald Trump Jr. was tweeting the other day. I want to talk about that as we launch off the postmortem Wait. show on our Patreon page. Yeah. Did this information on Breitbart? Yes, surprisingly, disinformation on on Breitbart.com is an amazing thing to behold. Yeah, but sorry, I just every once in a while I notice some of these things and uh, I gotta I gotta blab about them because absolutely it's just so stupid. Talk about stupid, this is stupid. That's on our Patreon page, by the way. Make sure you subscribe. It's the best way to support this fully independent podcast. Patreon.com/slash Bob Seska Show, or very simply BobSeskaShow.com. 
Uh, and if you need a yeah. third way to get there, bobsuska.com. Click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo and I'll get you there too. Thank you for doing that. Also, Buzz Burbank News and Comment. Every Thursday, the best hour of news you're going to hear all week. Get ready. Hang on to your hats for this Thursday coming up. Uh, BuzzBurbank.com, also at RealmNetwork.com, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Five-star rating and reviews for all of your favorite shows, by the way, including the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network shows. Got the Sexy Liberal Virtual Tour coming up Saturday, and uh, the word is that I might appear briefly without a shirt on. That is the... That well, is the that's... only that is the only tease I can give you, and, and Lily Tomlin will be there too. All right, well, Lily it, Tomlin, between... Lily Tomlin, and Bob shirtless. That's going to sell some tickets. <laughs> Lily Tomlin and my nipples. How about that? <laughs> Sign up now, sexyliberal.com. Get your tickets. Get them ready. We got a VIP meet and greet and all the fun stuff too. See, I got Greg Sargent on tomorrow's show on the interview oh, show. Oh wow! So get ready. Take care, folks. Bye bye.